right, I was going through memories of working in, in Shanghai, and I figure I might as well give the whole fucking picture, and then you know a little bit of what goes on or went on in my experience in Shanghai and how it started. I'm just going to cover like how I got the jobs, a little bit about what they're like and how and why I left each of them. I think it's interesting because it's probably the most hustling I ever did in my life and hopefully will ever do. My first gig I got because the backstory is um, sometime before I went to Shanghai for my second visit. So my third visit to Shanghai is when I actually moved to Shanghai. The first one is I went for a trade show. The, the second one was I went uh, to meet my online girlfriend, sort of, kind of, and we traveled around. And she lived in Shanghai, so we ended up there. Um, before I went for that that time, I had already found an agency online and added their MS uh, Messenger, which I had a lot of different Chinese people on that I kind of collected through other platforms, social media, like there used to be a MySpace China, and I think there was like Renren and some others. And also I use Second Life a lot to collect people. So when I got to Shanghai that second time, I was in the hostel and I was on their computer and I just logged into MSN and saw they were online and, and said, hey, can I come talk to you guys? Uh, and they were really close. I went like two subway stations and they had like three gigs right there that I could have taken. So I just kept in mind what the hours or whatever, you know, all the like basic information, the salary. So that when I moved to Shanghai, I didn't even talk to any companies in advance because it seemed like even that gig that they offered me, I think it was like starting Monday and I was in there on a Friday. Um, so I kind of based everything off of that, I guess. And when I went into that agency after I moved to Shanghai, so I moved to Shanghai the first two weeks, I didn't even look for work. I was just kind of adjusting to the time frame and walking around. I mean, I couldn't even go like two blocks without getting lost, which sounds crazy, but it's true. And it was before cell phones were really any good. Um, so when I went in there, I just used the salary number from the first time I was in there. And they actually had two people, two managers of a company that was just opening up and they interviewed me. And I guess I was confident and stuff like that. And they asked me my salary and I said the same number. And I went in and I had to do like a, an example teaching class. That was one of my first blog entries, I guess, because I did do that. And they had one foreign teacher, a Canadian girl, a couple of years younger, but who had been in Shanghai for four years already. And they accepted me and I started working there. Um, I think from her reaction when she asked me how much I was getting paid, she was pretty pissed off because she had been teaching for four years and I guess my salary was higher than hers. And uh, I just asked for what I knew I could get, you know? So I wasn't like really trying to take advantage of them. But I, I, I found out that it wasn't... I don't know. There's all kinds of different salary ranges, but I guess that was kind of on the upper side, especially for what we were doing, which wasn't much. So this gig was in Times Square, Pudong. Pudong is the eastern side of Pushi, uh, sorry, of, uh, God, I can't even think of the name now, but of the river that runs through Shanghai. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um, and all that area has been developed in the last like 30 years. It didn't, nobody used to live over there, especially on the riverside. So it's all really new. That's where all those like real tall 
uh, skyscrapers are at. And Times Square is, there's a couple of intersections, but I guess that's the main one they call Times Square. And we're on like the sixth floor overlooking that intersection. In that case, or in that sense, it was pretty cool. Um, so it was new and they were just like, the paint was drying and and they were just starting to get a couple students. They didn't have any content. So part of the job was to develop lessons. Of course, I don't know how to do that, but like I know English, right? So I figured I could. And I remember in the beginning, it was like pretty fun. It was like, I'm going to talk about like the map or I'm going to talk about this. But after about 30, 30 kinds of lessons, I was like bone dry. I was like, I don't have anything else to talk about, you know? And uh, I think she, she, the other teacher became kind of more in charge of that stuff. But I did that job for three months. And that sounds like nothing, but that was my first like three months living in Shanghai. So that actually felt like... I mean, that's when you're counting the days. You're so new. And, and three months is a long time to live in a really foreign place. And um, everything was hard and new. And that's what you could read if you ever read my book, my blog book. Um, because it's just my idea of China was more like, I don't know, traditional maybe. Uh, even though I had visited Shanghai. But it became just kind of like a vast urban, urban, I don't know, ungrounded land and after three months like there was a it was there was a lot of like dumb rules and it didn't seem like they were the owners were they're not the owners the managers gave it damn you know so i remember we had a meeting and that was my first and still till this day probably the most chinese meeting i'd ever sat in where they go around the table and they start with the most important person who was the actual owner who flew in from Xi'an, and he talks for like 20 to 40 minutes, he's just talking, and I'm new in China, so I can't understand anything he's saying, then after he's done, they go to the director, and he talks for like 20 minutes, so just a little bit shorter, after he's done, it goes to the assistant director, and he talks for like 15 minutes, and it goes around the table like this, and like it's driving me crazy, man, like it's, it's going on hours now. I mean, and I don't know what they're saying, and it doesn't seem to be anything like that's going to help because nobody's writing anything down. And then it comes to me, and they say in English, you know, just say something like good about what you've done in the last month or something. I'm, and I'm thinking like good about what I've done. Like there's like real problems that we haven't discussed and we need to like solve immediately with me and my students. And you want like, some kind of a compliment or something so i just like didn't say anything and they're like come on just say something good about how everything's great and i was like ah uh, and they were like okay fine and then i like pretended to go to the bathroom and i just walked around the hallways until the meeting concluded like an hour after that but i mean that's a that's an essential thing you got to understand about how Chinese meetings work because that goes all the way up and down the whole culture in the government when you see the government yearly they have these uh, large annual I guess event meetings with all the government officials from around China it's all like that it's all like they're not problem solving they're not discussing they're not like combating ideas 
it's 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 a total show which made me feel like how could they ever compete with american business or military when they're not even trying to get ideas it's not even like they're getting ideas just to amuse you like they're not even trying so after that meeting i remember i wrote down i made a chart i went around and counted all the light bulbs that were out in the in the center and i made like a pie chart Uh, of how it was like there was like three light bulbs out of like 23 that worked i mean we were we were teaching classes and like in dark rooms man i mean that's ridiculous so yeah they didn't really like that i remember the front desk lady was like yeah but you shouldn't make that kind of a chart because he's our leader that's the first time i started to hear this word leader is what they call managers you know it was like just baffling which is most of my experience in china was just baffling and so like i don't know how much longer after that they they were they kept calling me on the weekends and being like i need you to do this on like the weekend or monday morning or and i finally was like dude don't call me on the weekends man you don't like pay me to work on the weekends contract is like monday to friday you know or whatever it was my day off calling me on my day off i think that was a monday to friday job which is unusual for english teaching but um uh, you know and they they'd just be like oh yes 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 and then they'd do it again you know and i was starting to lose my mind and uh i went in and they were like we need you to make a presentation on how to teach about learning abroad like by tomorrow something like yeah next day you know next morning so it was that kind of stuff it was like why don't you tell me in advance man like why why do you keep acting like everything's so urgent you got to call me on the weekends and shit so i did it i did the presentation and it was pretty damn good of course and the uh main director starts talking to like the two assistant directors and he's making this like sour face and his tone is condescending and he's talking to them while i'm sitting there it's just us four you know and it goes on and on and on and then they start like they're not arguing because the director's always right in china but it's like he's just like you can just tell he's bashing me i don't have to speak the language not only that he's like not even talking to me you know i'm just sitting there and they're talking about me as if i'm not there and that was pretty much no that was it man when i when that ended i was like you guys go fuck yourself you treat me like a dog like the uh assistant director after i told him i was quitting came to me and was like you have to write down why you're quitting and i was like because the way he treated me he's like oh can't can't write this no 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 i was like dude you can't treat people like a dog that's it that's that's my reason they're like well why don't we write something else down so after three months there i was out and they hardly got any students they had like five students that's it and uh they started like changing around their office they they cut the size down in half and then within six months it was closed rima that's what it was called r-e-m-a i think it stood for something really ridiculous like like uh like rational english or some resounding anyhow that was the first gig i left and i guess i was under the assumption that i'd just find another gig real quick or something did not happen did not happen i think i went back to that place and there wasn't anything else and that was actually like a really kind of unique situation like to get that salary i really had almost no classes 
I was kind of just making up lessons and hanging out while having a really dope view. Um, and plus, like, the hours were, like, normal working people's hours, so you could have, like, a social life. Not that I did, but that's never the case. So it was a pretty special situation. When I got out of there, I lived off my credit card, and I kept going back to that same agency, and I found two others like them. And you'd always go into interview just like I had, but they didn't they didn't materialize. And I'll tell you what that's like, man. It's like they would tell me like put your hat back on because I'm bald, you know. And they like they would be like very in your face about you know <laughs> like like you know about being like discriminatory discriminatory right to you. So when they had other teachers in there like you know the students they would be like which one do you want and they'd be like i want the blonde haired guy so blonde hair light hair and light eyes and light skin is the key to success in being a teacher i mean those are like prerequisites you'll always beat out anybody with if you have all of those and they don't and so i experienced like that over and over again i started to get gigs from some of those companies where it'd be like i'd take the subway an hour outside of the city on the southern part of town and I get out and it'd be like everything would be like bulldozed and like almost like a ghost town because you know Shanghai is huge it's the biggest largest city in the world so when you go out it's like every part of it's like a city a different city and it would be like red skies with like all the pollution from the construction happening and you'd be walking through all that your lungs would be burning your eyes would be watering and you'd be trying to find this building. You'd be walking and walking and walking. And some ginormous building would finally come out of nowhere. And I went in. I'm thinking of one incident where I went in and then they sit you down at a table with like 15 people. And they don't have any material. And you're sitting like in a little square-shaped box facing each other. You try to get everybody to speak for an hour. You try to be Mr. Popularity and funny or whatever. And then another hour and a half to get back home which is like total two hours of travel and you're computing all this shit like why why am i doing this like you're telling me there's nobody on the other side of shanghai who wants to learn english of course there is that's what spawned my i started my own company and i was developing an app where teachers and students could find each other because it, it was called teach nearby for the teachers that's what it was called there's different apps for the students but that's what inspired it because i was Going all around the city, I was meeting with like three students like once a week. I did that for a while. That was the first time in my life that I felt like not cool. Like these kids didn't think I was cool. Like how is that possible? You guys don't think I'm cool? I'm way cooler than you. And I was way cooler than you are. And I'd have to try to entertain those kids. And I was taking gigs where you'd walk through like a kind of busted up neighborhood with people cooking noodles on the sidewalks and then there'd be a gate to get in you buzz into this gated community and there's houses all of a sudden even in this urban jungle of like apartment complexes all of a sudden there's houses four stories high and you'd go inside and there's like it's just gorgeous you know and they have trees and it's like a whole real almost suburban environment outside and they have their own like maids and cooks and the dude I met with, I think he was like 13. I was about to go up to his room and his sister walked by who was like 17 with shopping bags, of course. 
And she was like, oh, like in perfect American English, like, what part of America are you from? And I was like, Washington, D.C. And she was like, Virginia? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, I was just there like last summer. Like, like what? You know? Because one thing I was really set on was, like, I was following my dream to learn this other culture. I'm living off my credit card, you know? I've sold all of my stuff. I can't speak the language, but I'm trying. I can't afford lessons, but in my spare time, you know, I'm trying to realize this dream, you know. And she's, her and her brother, like, they've done it. And they haven't even started life yet. And they've already done it. And I go up to this guy. He has the whole second floor of this 13-year-old kid. He has his own office with, like, crown mold and and his own bathroom with, like, a huge tub because I had to pee at some point his own bedroom he had his own music room with like a piano and guitars and drums and i sit down and try to like teach with this kid he's got his computer open he's got qq on his computer qq is like china's msn messenger and he's got wechat on his mobile phone in front of him and he's chatting to them and i'm supposed to just like hang out with this kid and he has chess so i'm trying or maybe i brought a chess set i think i did and i'm teaching him chess and he's beating me. He's beating me in chess while he's chatting on two devices. And he's bullying me. He's going, come on, buddy. And then he'll turn around and like chat with his friends. When I left that place, I would say I think that was one of the top three or four lowest moments in my life. You know, leaving that gated community, walking down the street. And also like the disconnect in China of like, the extreme poverty and the extreme wealth, like right on the same street. They walk by that all the time. And it's so extreme. I mean, that was one of my gigs. And a lot of those gigs just happened once. Cause like I was tapped out. <laughs> you know, I taught him chess. He kicked my ass. What else do you want from me? You know, they don't always want lessons. I had a guy I had to meet and have coffee with and I'd bring a book and I try to talk about the book, you know, and he would just tell me, like, I don't want to talk about the book. You don't have to teach me anything. I just want to talk. And you're probably thinking, wow, like, you get paid to just talk? Bro, it's no good. I don't have anything to tell this guy. My job is talking to people. I've talked for four hours, you know? I mean, it's not like I was that busy at that time, but I was busy enough. I was talking all the time, you know, every other day at least I was working. But I was living off of my credit card. And, uh... And I had a girlfriend, and if I wanted to go out and eat, she didn't have money. I didn't want to go out by myself, so I'm paying for her and I'm paying for me with money I don't have. And, like, I was thinking even, what would she eat if not for me? I don't know. She'd probably, like, cook ramen at home. I mean, I wasn't going to eat that. So that was depressing, too. It's a bad feeling when you're spending money you don't have, and it's not even you're not even just spending it on yourself. I mean, that clearly is not the ingredients for success and that went on man and one of the times I was home we got a new roommate from America and he was teaching at this place called web I had heard of web it was called web international or web English international because you see those advertisements all over the place when you're walking around it's always like a, a white guy in a suit with blue eyes like holding hands or her arms tied to like a Chinese woman looking super Chinese you know and I used to I used to look at those and be like, Psh. you know, it's so like, I don't want to work in like a chain, you know, like it's so commercialized and unauthentic, you know, that was my attitude. 
and this guy that I lived with was working for them and I think he was yeah part time and he told me he's like I walk in the door they give me a schedule for the day and a sheet of paper of the things you're supposed to talk to them about if it's homework you just it tells you what to ask them and if it's like a what they call a salon you like discuss certain topics and you get paid and you leave and he's like it's it's pretty easy and I thought I don't have a job but I could do that so I think he he started <laughs> it's pretty funny it's a little side story but one of his students he met was like a rich Chinese guy who was like you can live in one of my houses uh, and just talk to me in English and you don't have to pay rent and he that's what he ended up doing he moved out and he gave me the number for this place of course by the way that didn't last long I think he was there for three months I mean when it, things are too good to be true yeah they are that's not gonna work but I went in so uh, I didn't have to do like the normal interview you do for this company they just gave me the gig and uh, I don't know that I was good at it but I guess I thought I was good at it and that was my beginning at web I had done or even while I was doing that that was only the weekends yeah so during the week I was still trying to find work and there was a lot of like side gigs that I came across like I tried to work for there was a black American lady who had her own web magazine like a e-magazine and uh, she spoke pretty good Chinese and I was working there for like a week she had a huge ego her magazine was her name and she was her, she would give me like tasks to do on Macintosh of stuff like connecting computers on Macs I don't do that you know so it was a hassle and didn't work out well that didn't last long and uh yeah she was getting funded by the lady who actually owned the office so she didn't even pay for the office it's one of these all these expat wives man i mean i'm maybe there's husbands like that but the common like it's all hobbies you know it's like i'm a fashion designer it's like you're a wife dude <laughs> you know and that's what she was and so yeah we didn't like each other and that didn't last I met a guy through the expat like hospital when you get your VC there's like one hospital you have to go to to get checked up and he was the CEO of a uh, like a Dippin' Dots knockoff in China but you know he's an American from a Jewish American from Illinois or or not Illinois one of those Arkansas I don't remember one of those places <laughs> And he was like talking to me about marketing and I was dying to do like, I would love to work for that kind of a company, like like a big launching startup. And uh, one of the things we needed was pictures of his ice cream. So I said I'd do that. And I rented a, a f photography studio and took pictures of ice cream for like five hours. And they weren't any good because at the very end of my photo shoot, the owner of the studio came over and was like, you should use Flash because then the pictures will be sharper. Because I hadn't been, because I thought it would like melt the ice cream and wasn't necessary. So he wasn't happy with the pictures, but I got paid for that. And uh, I don't know, I feel like there was little things that came around. But when I started a web, this ended up being like my bread and butter for the rest of my time in Shanghai. I got replaced by a whiter girl girl key word there whiter uh meaning like i think she dyed her hair blue but she was like a blonde and she had super 
blue eyes. And like she walked in the door and the very next day I got the phone call. It's like, oh yeah. Um, um, the guy actually said, I don't know how to say this. Like you didn't make the cut. It's like, oh, cause yeah, I know. I know why. And uh, yeah, she ended up not coming back to work for like the rest of the month. <laughs> but I was there. I don't know, for four months doing the weekends. I still have a good friend from that time, uh, another teacher. But you start meeting a lot of people that way. I started to, like, actually know people because they were students that I'd get to know. And I got to know some of the other teachers. I got really close with this guy named Bertie who was from the Chicago area. <laughs> and uh, And then I started to work at another web which was brand new had just opened in a different district and I actually got like a real job there so I got a work visa I think I'll have another blog about the visa situations because that first year where I was living off of that work visa like that company ended up closing six months after they gave me the work visa and I quit after three months so the law is you you have to leave China after 30 days I mean, and I lived off of that. I mean, broke in Shanghai and not being Chinese and not leaving. It's a unique experience. I, I can promise you that. As cheap as it is to take a taxi in China, I couldn't even do that. And I was, I was walking all these long distances that like no foreigners walking. Um, starting in, in the new district that's called Baoshan and the the shopping mall was called Wanda. So pretty much most of the web international locations were in shopping malls and they have 16 in Shanghai. And I don't know, a couple hundred in China, greater China, all the major cities. There's one or two or three or Shanghai, I think had the most. Um, so yeah, I worked at that center for a year and a little bit about the culture of like English teachers in China is, and I've heard this said as well, is it's kind of the closest you can be to becoming a rock star without being a rock star. Cause you have groupies and like, you're, you're always right. Cause it's your language and it's your culture. Like, even if you're totally wrong <laughs> to them, you're right. So any kind of fondness students have towards English, or towards foreign culture, like it all gets associated with you. So you represent all this great, like almost fantastic uh, kind of reality that's not Chinese. And uh, a lot of dudes love that and and like never will go back to their home countries because how are you going to give that up, you know? And you got pretty girls you're spending hours a day talking with. The way web structure works is you get everything's an hour and you work five hours. You have like one-on-one and you have one-on-threes, basically up to three or four people. And then you have like groups up to 10. And then you have like a couple a week you have to do what they call social club, which is like anybody can come, like 30 people fit. And you have to come up with something, whatever you want to try to like entertain them and teach them. I, I ended up getting my own really uh, patented style social club where I, it was kind of like speed dating, but I gave them everybody questions. And that that meant like I, I could always do that, thank God. And they went really well. And I made sure everybody was talking. But uh, I did that for a year. 
And then I started just like bouncing around to, to different centers. So I ended up going to like eight different centers uh, all over the city, which meant like I got really familiar with Shanghai. You know, when, when you grow up in a town, you pretty much know your area and where you work and that's it even if you spend your whole life there for people who come to the area like i did in shanghai like things are more exciting you want to go different places but also i got to work all over the place man some of the gigs were through those third-party companies um i taught at a hotel for a little while i taught at a shipping company like a really big french logistics company um and then I bounced around to all the different webs. So in total, I taught at eight different web centers. And then nearing the end of my time in Shanghai, the last like six months, I guess, they started piloting online classes. And they had two different platforms. One was called Speak High. And that was like real basic English. Like, this is a blue ball. And then they'd be like, blue ball. You'd be like, right. <laughs> and the other one was just a virtual version of the same classes that I was already doing at web, which what's cool about having a, a system of like layout of a, a curriculum that you know is that you've already figured out the best way to teach every every lesson because that was kind of the art form was like, here's the content, like how do I actualize this into a class, you know, and a good class, not a boring one or not one where they don't learn. and That's the struggle of becoming a good teacher at wherever you work at. So I would do like three. You could tell them how many hours you wanted to do. And only a few people were like selected to do this online teaching. So I would do like three days a, a week online. And then I'd do like three days a week in person. And I each center I had like a relationship with that would last like, I don't know, three months. So I'd be working at a particular part of Shanghai in a particular part of Shanghai for like three months at a time, but only a couple days a week, sometimes once a week or whatever. You just have to keep track, you know? Um, and then near my end time in Shanghai, I was, I was uh, pretty much regular at People's Square, which I don't know if that's the heart of Shanghai. I don't know if there is a heart of Shanghai, but it's a pretty busy Location. I think the the subway exit has 22 exits at People's Square. Something like that. 23? I don't know. Um, and then I'd be teaching at home like three days a week. So it was pretty pretty good schedule by the by the end of my career in Shanghai. And it was really cool because I could I could either walk to People's Square from where I lived at. It'd probably would take 25 minutes. Or I could e-bike in like 10 minutes. Or I could take the bus. Uh, I would take the bus like two stops. And take the... There's two different subway lines I could take to get there. I could take the bus directly there. It was just like whatever. You know, however you want to get there. Whatever mood you're in. And that was really cool. I, I really liked that. And then having some days where you didn't have to dress up and stuff and you could stay at home and you could even have somebody over and they could just do something for an hour or two while you did a class so uh i just say that like getting paid was always kind of a bitch i don't think anybody ever paid on time and for those middle 
middlemen companies, you'd, you'd have to wait till the end of the month and then come and collect your payment, even though they had already been paid. They collect a bunch of money up front and then they pay you as you teach. And they're just giving you a small portion of what they collected. It's pretty amazing. And then, you know, you'd go down on like a Monday and they just wouldn't be there, you know? And meanwhile, rent's due. So that was tough, man. And I think just at the end, just a few days ago, I think is seven years after my debt for my credit card because I didn't ever pay it back. I never had money. I never, I never had like accumulation of funds. It didn't ever happen. Um, my st- I, the money, I, I did raise money for that startup and that is where through that startup I met the founder of Hello Talk, which is who I ended up working for in Shenzhen after I left Shanghai later. So, I mean, yeah, it had it had its, its had its moments. That was a pretty amazing day when I got money for my startup too. But anyway, I just thought I would share like what what kind of work I did in Shanghai for five years. And I accumulated 12 visas. And uh, I think maybe I could talk about that in another episode. Um, but I don't know. I covered a, I covered a bunch of things. <laughs> and I hope I never have to live that way again. Thank you.